This week on Book Pile Banter, we learned that Welsh kings can be rejuvenated in the Virginias. Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim. Today we are going to discuss the Raven Boys. Uh, and actually what we're first going to do is introduce ourselves as just a little kind of brief excerpt since this is our first official episode. So I'm Amberly. I am in my 30s for anyone who must know ages. And the reason why you should like trust me with books is I've been reading since about fourth grade. I think fourth grade. Um, and I am a huge reading nerd. I have a bachelor's in English and I am working on getting a master's in library and information sciences. However, that doesn't necessarily qualify me for talking about books. I only qualify because I talk so much. (laughs) And then I'm going to pass it over to Sarah for a brief introduction. Oh, it's going to be brief. Uh, I'm Sarah. I am alive and that's pretty much everything you need to know about me. You like books, right? Yeah, for the most part. (laughs) What about your favorite genre? I didn't know to say that mine was. Mine's fantasy. So what about your favorite genre? Will you disclose that? Mm, Currently, it's probably sci-fi. Okay. Which we're not really doing books for, so. I'm trying to find them. I'm trying. We we will get there. Eventually, I will force you to reread Red Rising. Those who cannot see her face, she just made sad sounds. (laughs) All right. And Kim? I'm Kim. I am... (laughs) I am Amberly's mother, so we'll do that. You can figure out the age at that point. I, I have no authority in this whatsoever, other than I've been reading since forever. Uh, my favorite genre, probably science fiction, might tend more towards fantasy. And they combine, it's a sweet spot. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and um, th- the funny thing is, I don't read any of the books that these guys are talking about. I'm just here to question what they say yes that's that's kind of the fun thing here is uh sarah and i will be discussing the books we've both read them and or have reread them um as is the case today and then kim actually hasn't read the books so she's going to kind of interject with questions when something doesn't make sense um we are functioning under the belief that all of our listeners have potentially read the book or don't mind spoilers so if you do not want spoilers pause go read the book come back and read i mean listen (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, The book we are discussing today is The Raven Boys. And first off, kind of a summary of the plot, kind of a teaser of the plot is that Blue has been told her entire life by her psychic family that she cannot kiss her true love because it will kill him. She has no clue who he is or when it'll happen until she finally has a vision of her own, his ghost on St. Mark's Day. Except it can't be him because he is an Algernon boy. Algernon B, Algernon B boy, there we go slid those words together nice and she's never and she'd never fall for one of them meanwhile gansey is one of those algin b boys but his focus isn't on how rich he is rather he is determined to find the resting spot of the welsh king glendower it's an all-consuming passion that drags his friends ronan adam and noah into the search and eventually blue too and this book is by Maggie Stiefvater. I hopefully said that right. It's spelled really kind of funny, but I looked it up and that's what the internet told me it says. <laughs> it said. <laughs> so we'll hope that that's correct. And if it isn't, I apologize. And this book was published back in 2012 by Scholastic Press. And it's designed to be for ages 14 and up, grades nine and up. 
starting off, Sarah, who was your favorite character? Can't you guess? I can. The <laughs> listener can't. <laughs> they yes, don't yes, know yes. you. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to be Ronan. And why? That's the weird thing, because in person, I would definitely not like Ronan, but he's just, he's very prickly as a character, unpredictable, which makes him kind of fun, interesting. <laughs> he's a, oh gosh, I saw something recently about like, a meme that was talking about actually fictional like boyfriend characters and they're like oh yeah you want them until you met them and meet them in person and you you'd never want them in person they wouldn't be who you'd go for in person <laughs> and he is definitely one of those kinds of characters for myself i like uh noah and adam and then i also like persephone i think persephone is the only female character that i really like out of this book but noah is probably my favorite and i am so mad at myself that I did not realize the first time I read this that he was dead from the get-go. It was so obvious rereading it that he has been dead the entire time and was a ghost. He literally tells you the first time he talks that he is dead. Yeah, but he is a teenager, so it comes off as sarcasm. So she does a really good job of hiding that fact in plain sight, basically. Yeah, I did. I did notice that rereading through it is that there's a lot of stuff that the first time I didn't catch and the second time I'm like, oh my God, this is so obvious. How dumb was I? And that that was one of them. And that kind of is actually the like major, I'm going to put quotations plot for the first book is the fact that Noah is dead and he has died on one of the ley lines, but his friends don't actually know he's dead until they discover his bones, which is about like three, fourths, four, four, four-fifths of the way through the book. And so that's wait, wait, kind wait, of the... wait. I have a question. Yeah. So his friends interact with him? Mm-hmm. But he's dead. It's... Yeah. yeah it, it... Because he's on ley lines, the magic in the story allows him to be a ghost. This is But one not of the... a traditional ghost. You know, like <laughs> you can't see through him. No. Not, not in the, like, transparent. They just say he's kind of hazy but not like in a you can't see through him it's just like he always feels like he's not quite there but the the kids don't realize it however rereading it i realized that anytime they went somewhere beyond the little like manufacturing building that they live in the boys he doesn't go with them she he just like the pizza place no he didn't he does though one of the times he's just sitting there not he says he's not going to eat because he oh, never okay. eating but yeah one one of the times he does not go, and then one of the times he does. Okay. But for the most part, yeah, he does not go but exploring. The them. time he went was because Blue was there, right? Because she she's an amplifier. I think the first time he didn't go. I thought he was there the first time, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember. But that's kind of the, the trick of it, is you assume he's there just because she, she will mention Noah, and then Noah will not do anything in a scene, and it's kind of like planting your you, you, you just assume when you're visualizing mm-hmm. the story at least i did that he was there and then afterwards i was like god he wasn't in the reread i'm like she actually will just like vaguely have someone mention thinking about noah and then not actually have noah do anything unless it's in the manufacturing building and then he does something until his bones get replaced and he's using blue as an amplifier yeah i mean i could be mistaken at least that's how i got it from the the reread which Obviously, you wouldn't know this, Kim. Uh, Blue lives in a house of psychics, as I mentioned, in a little, like, plot teaser thing. And her ability is to amplify people's magical psychic senses. I don't know if it's ever really 
categorized as magic. It's like magical just, occurrences. Yeah. So all the psychics in her house used her to amplify readings. And then towards the end of the book, she is used to allow Blue to, or Noah to kind of exist. He draws on her energy in order to communicate. Because he gets dug up from the ley line. It annoys me that, and I wrote it down. I wrote it down that it's page like three, 313 is the first time that we really get told that Welk is the cause of his death, is the problem, is like the big bad guy for this book. We spend 300 pages where he's kind of vaguely mentioned, but you really don't get a sense of like, he's the, the antagonist for this situation until page 313. I mean, he seems like he's up to no good from the very start. But he's never in direct conflict with the boys until 313. We just get him being mad that he's no longer rich for th- when he does come up. And that he's after, well, we actually don't, I don't think we get told he's after Glendower until that point. We just know that he's angry. It's because he's not really after life. Glendower. He wanted to wake up the ley line. Yeah, true. And then, then when he got Gansey's journal, he learned about Glendower. Still, it still annoys me. I So if anyone can't tell, I'm not the biggest fan of this series. I don't hate it. I don't like it. I have issues with this first book. And this is one of those issues is we don't really get so much world building and, and developing for the first like 300 pages. And then the, the plot just kind of gets shoved in the last pat, bit of it to me. What does waking up the no, ley lines mean? Ley lines mean? Sorry, not way lines. Like, I mean, you know what a ley line is, right? Yeah. So just turning on their magic. (laughs) It's like it's dormant. So the magic is like there, but it's really low. And so waking it up would be like powering it up. So it's on full blast or something to that effect. Okay. So that they can find Glendower because it's Gansey's obsession, which don't even get me started on Gansey. I think maybe you should get started on Gansey. You've mentioned and not talked about why do you hate Gansey? Gansey is so bland and and all the other characters are interesting and complex and dynamic and they have all of this internal conflict and Gansey just wants to find Glendower and because this is obviously a spoiler for the end of of the first book because he was he was supposed to die when he got stung by a a nest of bees but instead he lived because Noah was dying on the exact same ley line Hundreds of miles away. Wait, who? Gansey or or whoever he was looking for? Gansey. Gansey died on the ley line. Well, he died, quotations, on the ley line because he was stung by bees and is highly allergic to them. And at the same time, Noah was being killed by Welk. But this was like seven years prior. Gansey was a child, a little child when this happened. Noah isn't actually the same age as them. He's been dead for like seven years. But he got to live and because Noah died on the ley line at the same time. And otherwise, he's just a, a rich kid who is wanting to find a mythical king. And I, we don't even get told why Glendower, what brought him to Glendower. He just discovered it and decided that's his whim that he's interested in. Because he was going to get a wish for waking up Glendower. But I don't think they actually tell you what his wish would be. Exactly. It's part of the mystery. It doesn't just tell you everything. It's not I, a line, like a super linear like plot where it's like, hey, here's a bad guy. Here's these kids. This is what they're trying to do. 
And then it just does that. It's more like a discovery as you read the book, what's going on. I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't, I don't, I, well, again, I don't like Gansey. <laughs> I will admit, Gansey is very, very basic. And I had forgotten like all of his characteristics when I came to, to the reread, because I remembered like Adam and Noah, and of course, Ronan can yeah. never forget at Ronan and even Blue like I forgot about the amplifier thing but I remember that she was there and she played a role Gansey was like ah he was directing things but see that for me feels like the entire sum of the books all of them the entire series not getting into spoilers in the next books but like in the terms of the series if before rereading this if you were to ask me what is the plot of this book I would be like "Uh, I don't know but I remember the characters Gansey is an entire representation of this entire book. <laughs> this entire well, it's the book. adventure of trying to find Glendower. But yeah, there's other stuff going on, but obviously. I remember that. Like, once I read it, it just, like, oh. the process I of getting the, to Glendower. Yeah, I remember, I remember trying the to woods. Wake the king. That's, that's the last I remember. I couldn't tell you what happened in the last two, like, two to three books. I have to, re- obviously, I have to reread them, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I've read them, and I couldn't tell you what the plot points are. That's how most of the books are for me. All these fantasy books blend together, which is why this one stands out more, because it doesn't just follow the basic formula that you usually get in these books. I enjoyed it more than the average book. Why do you like Ronan so much? He's fun. I mean, he's got a lot of problems, which might be why he's fun. Um, Okay, so to clarify his problems for you, his father's dead. He and his older brother are fight constantly. And by the very end of the first book, he reveals the fact that he can bring things out of his dreams, which in the first book, the only <laughs> thing that that he reveals to bring out of his dream is a raven that he names Chainsaw. Yeah. Last line of the book. He's like, hey, pulled her out of my dreams, guys. And then that's the end. <laughs> Love it. Which is honestly probably the only reason why in the first place that I decided to keep reading the books is that line right there is is ronin is interesting enough to warrant continuing to read the books and just kind of hook you i constantly have expectation for adam and adam is such a a device and it drives me nuts because he should be less of a device but even in the new series he's a device so for context again adam is he is not from a rich family he is a scholarship kid and of course he is local to because this all takes place in henrietta Virginia he's local to Virginia and he his dad beats him his mom turns the blind eye he works three jobs he's struggling to fit in and he just wants to be one of the guys but he doesn't want to ride Gansey's coattails because he he wants to be his own person and it feels like in the first book even though he's got all of that going on the sole entire like purpose of him is to bring blue into the boys to bring her into the boy group because he's interested in blue and tries to date her and it seems so like wasted potential. Well, he is the one who wakes the ley line. So it's, he has his own stuff going on. It's not just blue. He's not even obsessed with blue. He likes blue, but yeah. like his perspective chapters, he's dealing with his troubles with Gansey and not wanting to, you know, be possessed by him basically. And his father, of course, trying to break free from his father. And so I don't know. I feel like he has a lot of depth as a character even if he's not the main focus of the storyline, more so than Gansey. I mean, yes, he does have Gansey, God. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I don't enjoy the fact that 
basically she plops all of the trouble onto Adam and knowing where I know things are going, like we don't, we're not going to get a like quality payoff for it. I, I don't, I don't feel like the amount of effort that we are required to put into Adam, we don't get the return on it. Even in the newest series, we don't get payoff. Well, the newest series, we only really get Ronan's point of view for the most part. But they are mm, right. okay. No, I can't can't spoiler that. Uh, <laughs> spoil things, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish I could, but I'm gonna be nice and you know realize that people may not read as fast as we do. Well, these but, books are like ten years old almost. So really, well, I guess the newest ones are only a couple years old. Uh, and one's coming out this month. The next one's no, no, April. The next one's coming out in April. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I I don't I don't like how she treats. Adam. Well, I think there's an underlying uh, issue that maybe Amber should address a little bit more forward. Maybe if you wouldn't fall for the secondary characters and everything you read, you might not have (laughs) such a problem when your secondary characters are only secondary to the story. Listen, main characters are boring. (laughs) Not fun. (laughs) You get to know everything about them. They get everything. Gansy doesn't even warrant getting everything. What about, is Ronan a primary or a secondary character? He's secondary in this series, and then he's primary in his series. As one would hope to be primary in one's own series. I mean... (laughs) So how do you know there's not going to be a payoff on Adam later? Well, uh, that could be a spoiler. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I just, I don't, I don't... So much trauma was heaped on Adam, and then... We get to the end of the story, and it's almost like it's all his fault, but not his fault. And then he wakes the ley lines, but... It... <sighs> I mean, it's not his fault, but he does have a severe... Well, I don't know if it's severe, but his flaw is, like, pride, because he won't accept help when he probably knows he needs it. And that was frustrating to me, because it's like, obviously, it's not his fault he's getting beaten or anything like that, but he has these opportunities to escape it by moving out with Gansey, and yet he won't take it because he wants to do it on his own, but he doesn't have the means to do it. And so then he just gets, you know, he just ends up in the worst place because he's so unwilling to help or get help. Except for the fact as we get towards the end of the book, when it comes down to it, when Ronan is at risk of basically having charges pressed against him, he leaves. He would rather leave than let Ronan go to jail. So Adam leaves. Yes, Adam leaves his family because he would rather... He is willing in that situation to give up on his pride to protect Ronan. Well, as I think he's totally valid, I love the line where he looks at Gansey and is like, I don't want to just be one of those, like, like all his things in one places. That, that description, that's Gansey in a, in a T. He just likes all his things in one places. And I can't fault Adam for not wanting to be yet another thing to this rich guy when all he's trying to do is be his own person. Yeah. I mean, I did agree with that line. That was a good line. But at the same time, it's like, your dad has a gun. You know he could kill you at a certain point. Self-preservation. but Except for the yeah. fact that this is a That's 16-year-old boy. <laughs> no, he doesn't care about himself is the problem. <laughs> well, I mean, you have someone beating on you. Why, 
why would you value yourself? Uh, I think it's totally fair that he doesn't value himself and would just see himself replacing being his dad's punching bag for being Gansey's thing. So I, I, I can't uh, I can't fault him for it, honestly. And it's part of why I like him as a character is I think he's totally valid in resisting just moving in with Gansey because Gansey says I'll pay for things. Yeah, I mean, I definitely find him to be an interesting character. He's not one of my favorites, but it's yeah. because of things like that, those qualities. He's not just like a basic, easygoing character. I mean, to be fair, I think Ronan would be almost, if Ronan did not have the privilege of money, he would have acted the exact same way Adam does in terms of not wanting to rely on other people. I think the I only- mean, he basically does. Yeah. yeah. He, he does the exact same thing as Adam. Like, failing school, even though he knows he's going to get kicked out. Refusing. And then there's Gansey, who's just magically, like, skipping school and yet magically perfectly fine. I, I don't I don't like Gansey. <laughs> but yeah, I, I... Okay, so what about, what are your thoughts on Blue's household? Because while it isn't a huge factor in the first book, I do remember it factoring further on that whole dynamic. It sounds very claustrophobic for one thing. So it was always like, oh boy, that seems like a stressful place to live with all these people who are psychics. But I thought it was interesting. And I did like how there was her mom and her crazy half aunt and Persephone and, and Kala. I did think that those were all interesting characters on their own. Maybe not her mom as much because you don't hear as much. There's not much about her mom that in that book. But yeah, even though you don't see much of them, like you kind of want to know more about them. Maybe not Neve. <laughs> I find that she disappeared. Um, yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. I also like the fact that you would think, oh, okay, a house of psychics. So we're going to get all all women who are all... And in fact, they're all very, very dynamically different. And the idea that there can be different psychic personalities <laughs> for a lack of a better way to describe it because you've got persephone who i would say is perhaps the most traditional like interpretation in the sense that she's kind of spacey and not all there and seems like her head's in the cloud um and yet delivers the best like knowledge punches when it's time and she's a phd student too yeah <laughs> and then you have Kala, who does the physical like she touches things and gets information and is kind of brisk. I think it's Mara. Mara is her mom. Yeah, Mora. Mara. Mara. I yeah. Which I don't. I don't. She, yeah, she's kind of vague, but it's vague in the sense that we have to know her from Blue's point of view, because um, that's the only time we get interactions with her is from Blue's point of view. And obviously, Blue doesn't understand her mom because it's always hard to understand one's parents because you have your own assumptions about them. What? What are your assumptions about your parents? Yeah, let's hear these. Why would you do that to me? (laughs) (laughs) I am not putting, I'm not putting that information out for, on the internet for review on multiple occasions and to be held against me at any point in my life. (laughs) I will want a recording of all of this as time goes on so I can use it against you. Exactly. So I'm I'm not going to discuss (laughs) how I view my parents because yeah. There. One is in the room. <laughs> not, no, not in the room. You're in the I, internet the room, room yeah, the Zoom it, room, not, you know, the literal room. My God. Exhausting. Why'd you put me on the spot there, Sarah? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. It was entertaining. <laughs> uh, 
I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> Again, I don't, <laughs> we're going to have someone who listens who loves Gansey and they're going to be like, how dare you hate on Gansey? Who, who would love Gansey? <laughs> Maybe the author, the whitest of the white bread. Why would you choose? Well, I like white bread, but I mean, <laughs> it's just such a boring character. And I don't understand it. And I hate the fact that he insists on calling blue Jane. It bothers yeah. me. It irks me. It doesn't seem to bother her too much, so I don't really care. Yeah, well, except for the fact that Blue is going through the whole, do I like him? Do I not like him? Is he my true love? Is he not my true love? Am I going to kill him? Will I not kill him? Can Adam kiss me if he's actually my true love? How dare I? Ugh. Yeah. Yak. I feel like we don't actually get that much in the book. She, like, thinks about it occasionally when she's with Adam because she's afraid he'll try to kiss her and she might accidentally kill him. But, like... That's one of the things I did like is that they dropped this thing right at the start saying, hey, she's going to kiss her true love and kill him. But then they just kind of, it's not a main focus. It's just something that kicks around in the background. No, drives me nuts. Why, why do you deliver such a huge thing at the very beginning and don't even at least like vaguely, like it comes through, but doesn't really circle around in the first book. Everything feels the entire first book feels like set up for the rest of the series and it drives me nuts. I don't want to read an entire book to get into the actual plot. But that's not like the main plot. The main plot is waking up Glendower. That's just a facet. No, but even Glendower, we don't get into the whole process until after page three. It's a development. The story is building. I see nuts. I like it. I like that it's not just such a cut and dry, boring point A to point B storyline. Where you know everything that's going to happen. I just like a solid undertow, right? Undertow? That is a word? Yes. I mean, it's a word. I don't know if it's the right one. I don't know either. It's where, it, you know, you get dragged under the water and drowned. So I'm not sure that's I want a good, a good base plot to drag me under and drown me in the first book. So I'm hooked. I don't want to spend an entire book going. He pulled Chainsaw from his dreams. There's your undertow. <laughs> like this is not the focus of the first book that's set up for the second book glendower is set up for like the third book um blue is set up for the fourth book but everything is initiated with the search for glendower so of course it would be in the first book <sighs> it's <laughs> it's bringing up plot points that it will address later on just not all at once so that each book connects right, with each other when not- you write a series of books each book in and of itself should be a story this doesn't sound like it's a story that follows the traditional lines of what a story should follow, what you'd learn in, you know, your writing classes or whatever. So you shouldn't be writing a book to set up follow-on books. It should be a book in and of itself and the the setup for the follow-on books undertoes. I, I think <laughs> undercurrent and underpinnings, I think Under, is what yeah. you're yeah, thinking more of. But like, um if if we had gotten a chapter earlier on revealing that Welk killed someone and we don't know who. It's heavily implied. It's not, though. It, I, I, I took notes. I have <laughs> this friend convulsing on the ground and it's like, that seems weird because this guy's fishy. And then later on, it's like, yep, he sure did murder his friend on the ley line. But make it more the driving plot, not a, oh, that seems fishy, but I'm going to focus in on all of this other character development. If like in the first chapter, there had been a skeleton on the wet ley line or Welk running away from his friend or Welk declaring that he wants to wake up the ley line, then I would have been like, okay, that that's the focus of this book is we're waking up the ley line and we're trying to figure out why Welk failed. 
and that and realizing that Noah's dead instead of it be, taking me 300 pages before I feel like I've actually hit that point. I mean, okay. You're really I just feel like you're discovering those 300 pages. The are. I am. I am. It's page 313. I wrote down the exact page number. I wrote, mildly annoying, Welk has revealed his problem at page 313. Only random chapters before that that hint at it. Really, the chapter where he opened up Gancy's locker wasn't like an alarm bell for you? I mean, you're like, yeah, this seems normal. No, it, it seems like a teacher going through a kid's locker. <laughs> he's, he's because he knew Gancy was up to something with the ley lines. Why, why is a teacher opening up a locker because they're concerned about a student, like, instant bad guy. Because everything he does is written in a suspicious, like, frame of reference. I would have, like liked, it know to have, I would have liked it to have been heavier. And if I remember correctly, when I first read the book, no, I didn't realize he was the bad guy until that far along. Because it wasn't... I knew in the second read-through that he was the bad guy, which was why it further irritated me. But no, the first time I read it through, I was like, okay, why do we keep going back to this Welk guy? It's really weird, and it gives nothing to this story. Oh, Okay. now granted the first time i read it and noah literally says i'm cold because i'm dead i did not catch on i did but then yeah because he kept going on in the story and interacting like a normal human or kind of i was like oh he must have just been sarcastic and then it's like oh he was actually telling the truth after all maybe i'm too dense for this one (laughs) maybe this one just doesn't do it for me god the other books are gonna be fun (laughs) <laughs> as i just rage rant <laughs> no this is weird because you're making me defend the book and usually <laughs> on these fantasy books i'm gonna be the one attacking them because i'm so burned out on the whole fantasy thing this is weird i'm not i'm just not normally in this position i know we're setting people up for like a particular expectation and then we're gonna go yeah. switcheroo <laughs> well at least you're not hinting at it and, and making it all subtext and, and no. uh, saying it flat oh, out straight up <laughs> plot line <laughs> Sarah normally hates books and I normally love them this is not the norm <laughs> to be fair I, I usually books. pick the books I usually pick the books you don't always love the books I pick because you always pick fantasy books listen I have high sci-fi standards. Thanks to Kim, I have high expectations. I don't want any nonsense sci-fi that doesn't quite achieve what I want. If it's not good, I don't want it. And most of the time, I don't want it. Yeah, probably because it doesn't have magic in it. <laughs> I have magic in it. Red Rising has no magic in it. None. Ugh, I love Red Rising. Barely, it barely has science in it. It's a space it's a opera. Dark story. Don't even. It's a space opera. You love space opera. Anyway, we're not discussing Red Rising. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> I like science fiction. I like Anne McCaffrey. I like, although that kind of has fantasy elements in it. With People a scientific explanation, though. Yeah. does not have fantasy which, in it. Which is why the fantasy sci-fi combo is the sweet spot. And most people cannot achieve it. I just want my stories to have spaceships and no magic crap, unless it's Star Wars. But, you know, spaceships. And That's a space opera. That's not science fiction. That's a space opera. If you don't like to classify Red Rising. Spaceships a- is a s- spaceships. That's a space opera. Yeah. 
Just Star Star Wars is a space opera. Red Rising is a space opera. That's different. <laughs> Red Rising is exhausting. But again, we're not going into detail on Red Rising. You guys have lost the plot. Just like this book. <laughs> Which book? Which book? We've we mentioned about the plot in the last it five minutes. Not lose the plot. You just <laughs> don't like that it doesn't have a simple plot. No, I like complex plots too. Thank you very much. I think uh, she just like you my simple. I did. I didn't call her simple. (laughs) No, I just like simple plot. Too funny. No, I just, I like, I like to feel invested in my first book, not for me to have read the first book. And it's the last line that keeps me going. Because honestly, invested in the characters. That's the thing, though. If that last line was not in that book, I would not have continued. You would have never gotten the rest of the books from me. (laughs) Nobody can see the look on your face, Amberly. You need to express yourself with words. (laughs) (laughs) The facts are that last line, the line where it says, let me, let me, I guess now would be a good time to tell he, he said, I took chainsaw out of my dreams. If he did not fucking pull that raven out of his dreams, I would not still be here. I would not have have a question. Yes. You held up a page. Is there drawings in this book? The ley lines. Because I saw the lines through the words. I thought you'd been writing in your book. I'm like, I raised no, you better than no. that. What is that? <laughs> no, no, no. Ley lines. Those are the ley then, lines. Okay. And then I have these, these little like book dart thingies. Yeah, no, really that's cool. no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Makes them look okay. pretty. It gives them little gold <laughs> sparkles. <laughs> but yeah, if that line had not been there. You would, I would not have purchased the rest of the books. You would not have read the rest of the books. You would have had to have get them yourself. I don't know that you would have read it beyond that if it hadn't have had that first line. Would you have? You mean the last line? Probably. I mean, because I, I was invested in Ronan. I was invested in Adam. I was invested in Noah. Blue, I, she was fine. And then there was also Gancy, but who cares really about Gancy? But it had raised questions that had not been answered. So yes, I would have wanted to continue reading, finding out what's going on with the whole kissing the guy and him dying and also i didn't really care about the glendower thing to be honest it was just um i I thought that would be weird to write a story about them waking up an ancient welsh king what happens once he's awake does he just like live life as a normal human go into the grocery store and work in a job (laughs) i couldn't picture that part of it but the rest of it i was interested in I want a book where someone wakes up a Welsh king and we just learn about how they function in normal life. That Make them the main character. Start it off with the Welsh king being woken up and like learning to navigate real world and then just like getting to the end of it being like, fuck it, you all are crazy and leaving. <laughs> Going back to sleep. Going back to sleep, yeah. <laughs> or just trying to take over Wales again. Oh God, could you imagine trying to take over Wales? What do you mean I'm in America? <laughs> How do I get home? Where is my army? Yeah, he'd have his work cut out for him. What do you think it'd be like a King Arthur sort of thing? Where like people would just flock to him because, you know, King Arthur. I mean, would they know? Or would they just feel this pull in their bones where they just like leave the house to go to work, but then they end up in a field where this guy's standing? And do you have to be Welsh for that to happen? (laughs) I I want people to just like arrive at a field being like, who are you? I'm a Welsh king. (laughs) But remember, he'd probably be speaking Welsh. So they'd just be like, "Uh, I don't know what he's saying. It would be very hard to understand. That would be a thousand times more interesting as a book. I, I would have read the second one of that. <laughs> I feel like that would have been like a, a one book sort of deal. 
I'm oh, no, say no, no. The, the opening book is going to be this guy waking up and he's <laughs> got to learn to go shopping and I guess drive. And he's in the countryside of Virginia for whatever random reason. Not that he would know what the Americas really are. And then he decides he's going to retake Wales. And oh, but, but we got to give him a love interest in the first book because, you well, know, of course. What's the point? And yeah. then all the Welsh that are living in America, <laughs> all the Welsh that are living in America, they all of a sudden have this urge to converge on this field in Book Virginia. One. Right there. And that's it. They're Book all just one. standing in the field. <laughs> I would read book two of that. Okay. I want to know who finances this guy. Oh, he is, Maybe you know, he's money in his tomb. Of gold. But why would his gold be in the Americas? She, she's an archaeologist. She woke him up and she's able to sell all of his goods for him. So he is real world money. Oh, is this the love interest? No, but oh, that's yeah. too easy. I want to see a Welshman, ancient Welshman, try to go into a pawn shop with like ancient gold coins. <laughs> And figure out how to get would money he, out of it. Would he know what a pawn shop is? Would he even know what a shop is? No. Exactly. Okay. That would be the whole part of the challenge. See, I'm it's totally a, a blast show. from the past now. Blast <laughs> from the past where he walks by the, 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 the card trading shop and real, thinks that the trade money is uh, baseball cards. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody <laughs> trades in current times. Good movie. Good movie. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else about this book that you wanted to discuss, Sarah, before we? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. So, okay. I think we covered it. Okay. So uh, we, we want to try and provide recommendations for other books. However, other than our theoretical book that we just <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> came up with. Be so related. <laughs> hey, young adult. We'll make him a, you know, a young Welsh king, you know, just, just barely became king when he, you know, was killed and put on Ugh, the ley line. And he'll be like a teenager. That's lame. Can't be a teenager. <laughs> Note. However, neither Sarah nor I could come up with a book similar to this that we could recommend that we've actually read. So we, we don't have other reads, which I'm going to say just makes me not like the book even more because I feel like I should be able to read a book and then instantly go find others like it. Like what's the what's the point of reading a book and enjoying it and not being able to find something similar to it to continue to enjoy that type of reading? Well, I mean, you know, sometimes it's enjoyable to read something that's a bit more unique than just a carbon copy of every other young adult fantasy book out there. Just saying. I want more. I always want more. Ravishly. Oh, yeah. Glendower was like 55. That would be an awkward age to write a book about. <laughs> he was married, too, so. Oh, but she be reincarnated. Some issues. No, reincarnated. That what? resolves the love interest problem. Oh. But, you know, the whole 55 thing. Why would his Welsh wife be reincarnated in Virginia? Why would he, he be buried in Virginia? In Virginia. <laughs> they already explained that. Well, I mean, obviously not in the theoretical book, but in <laughs> the Raven Boys. But we haven't gotten there yet. Or have we? No, did they, they did. Yeah. He didn't have a good reason why it was Virginia other than that it's on the ley line. And that they didn't want him in England because they were afraid the English would desecrate his body so that he wouldn't be able to be woken up later. So Virginia, I guess they that's literally where the ley say, line intersected. They literally say in this book that they removed a king from Wales and buried him in the Americas so that he wouldn't be desecrated. I think Gancy was telling Blue this about how they murdered other enemies of the crown and like tore off their limbs and really messed up their corpses. And so since they wanted Glendower to be able to be revived with all of his limbs and 
head and everything. They moved him to a different ley line, which I guess was in Virginia. I don't know if there's only like three ley lines in the whole world or something that form that triangle, but uh, that was how it was described. So Gancy. drawing and quartering, they, they didn't want that done. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Was, what? Well, you just looked it up. What year was Glendower? I don't think drawing and quartering was yet a thing. Uh, I think it said 1555. It might have been a thing. I think Gancy mentioned something like drawing and quartering, but oh, okay. he might not have used that exact method. I'll be honest, when Gansey talked, my brain turned off. (laughs) Well, he was the source of most of the information going on in the book, so that might be why you weren't such a big fan of it. If you were just turning your brain off during, like, I didn't mean to. I just didn't want to. (laughs) Okay, okay, I looked it up. To be hanged, drawn, and quartered was... From 1352, after the Treason Act of 1351, a statutory penalty in England for men convicted of high treason, although the ritual was first recorded during the reign of King Henry III. Okay, so, so it was a risk. Yeah. Although if one yeah, dies... Oh, he, died, he died 1415, not 15, 1555. I don't know where I got that date from. I think because his age was like 55, I just, oh, he just gave so, him a bunch of fives. So my interpretation of what you just said is, is I would, this is what you got as your punishment. So it, it, they didn't take the dead body and then draw and quarter them. This, the drawing and the quartering was a process of killing you. So I, I, I still not sure I necessarily agree with their, this writer's interpretation of history, but this is cool. And again, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny because I've confirmed that, my brain turns off when Gansey speaks. <laughs> so I can't I mean, remember what all. I just know that he got removed for whatever reason. thought Gansey had referenced a different traitor, or not traitor, but, you know, enemy of the crown who had been, had fallen in battle and they still, like, tore him apart. So maybe that was why. Um, well, they used to, you know, take the heads off, put them on pikes and, and put them on bridges so people would see. Which, I mean, even if that was all they did, it would kind of make it harder to wake him up at a later date. Does one have to be a full body to be re-awakened from the dead? <laughs> I, I, well, I'm, I think the implication is that his body was magically preserved so that it wasn't like rotted skeleton. You know, he wouldn't be in, he wouldn't have decayed into pieces. See, now I'm on uh, another Brandon Fraser film. We're now in The Mummy. I just... <laughs> Good movies. Uh, you know, okay, so I guess that would be another point why this book is weird for me. This series is weird for me is the magical laws aren't always clearly defined. We're just kind of told that something is an issue, but we're not giving them like the, the magical reason why. And when you have magic, they don't really fully magic magically understand they don't fully understand the magic like how it works it doesn't have rules it's just it is just like this weird force of nature i would argue a core aspect of any fantasy book if you're going to introduce magic the magic has to have rules even if you unfold the rules over a long period of time in 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 the books you got to have your rules established so that you know what the characters can and cannot do but we don't have to have that argument. Mostly because we but haven't also, read the other three books and it could come up in one of those ones because I don't remember them. <laughs> and I don't think ever, like anything that happens contradicts stuff that has happened before. It's, again, they're kind of learning about it as they go. And the psychics know certain limitations of themselves, but then there's 
like the stuff that Neve was doing where it was darker that they didn't fully understand. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't think that there's not necessarily no rules at all that govern it, just that it's a lot of mysterious stuff that they find out. Again, this is a book that's like you're discovering things alongside the characters. Which, yes, it is the limited perspective of the characters, particularly since we don't get one singular character, but multiple characters from their point of views, which can make things then convoluted because one's interpretation of a situation versus the other changes. And weirdly enough, the one we don't get any perspective from, which is probably why I don't like him, is Gansey. We don't get really any internal awareness, and Gansey's the one telling us how Glendor functions, Glendower functions, but we don't actually ever get his internal. We just get secondary sure? knowledge from him. I'm nearly positive. I thought we, I thought there were like at least two, like where he was at his parents' party. Oh yeah, there's the limited where he's the the parents' party and Welk almost kills him. But yeah, he, he doesn't. But necessarily have significant perspective chapters. But even then, he doesn't really give us any information. Like, he'd be a key way to kind of give that information. And we get it secondhand through somebody else hearing it from him, not from his internal understanding of it. So it, I, it, it never feels trustworthy to me. So you're not, you don't trust Gancy. No. But then you trust that Noah's telling, well, no, you I don't, I don't trust anyone. Noah being dead. I thought he was a sassy teenager, and I thought I, that honestly, <laughs> honestly, I as a teenager would have been the person like I'm dead inside. I'm dead. Yeah, and exactly. and I, that's why it works. I know, and and so when when but, Noah was like that, I was like, this is me. But then Welk, there's Welk who's like, yeah, yeah. I remember when I saw my friend twitching, dying on the ground. That was sad. You're not like, huh? This guy who's been a creeper the last few chapters he's appeared in. That's probably not weird. He's probably not villainous. No, it just seemed tragic. I don't understand what. How could you be <laughs> suspicious of the protagonist and then just like suspicious? I just don't trust past. the narration from him. I didn't trust the narration from Welk. I was just like, oh God, Welk's awful. He's lost all of his money. He was the epitome of the kind of Raven boys that Blue tells us are awful. Um, and he witnessed death at some point. We don't actually get confirmation until, you know, he is, we get the confirmation. When he's, when that comes up, it's not, I killed a guy. It's, he witnessed his friend dying after we found out that he lost all of his money and like tragedy after tragedy. And, and we're, nothing says, oh, witnessing tragedy is bad because Gansey has tragedies. Adam has tragedies. Ronan has tragedies. Noah is a mystery. Nothing says, oh, yeah, Welk's tragedy, that that problem, that's the making of a villain. He hates the students. He hates them. He talked, like, he, it's so clear that he hates the students. He hates his job. He doesn't want to be there. His father was corrupt, so he lost his money. It's not like it's a great tragedy there. It's just like, and it's not like he feels bad that his dad... Like, he doesn't see anything wrong with it. He's just mad that they took away his money, that they took away his status. I'm, I'm sorry. It's like every part of him is just like, this dude <laughs> has angry some teachers problems. teachers don't equal villains to me. <laughs> but it's not, oh gosh. His entire internal monologue is like, you just know that he is a bad dude so i, I just know. thought he got kind of screwed over and he needed to figure out a new profession because clearly he went with what he could do which is teach latin and it didn't it didn't scream like big bad 
murderous villain to me. It just screamed. Well, he's not really... like a big bad murderous villain, but he is a bad person. I, I, he is murderous. That is. I know, villain. but it's not like he's he's not like a serial killer where he's like, mm, all these students, I'm just gonna kill him. But it's uh, like. I, uh... But, but he tried to kill Gansey. He was a serial killer in the making. <laughs> he wasn't planning on it, though. Like, it was an opportunity. And then he was like, uh, I guess I should do this. Just need two bodies to become a serial killer. Well, he didn't kill him. So, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I, I honestly just thought, man, Welk has a shitty situation. And clearly he has problems but it did not scream like, like you trust him more than you trust the protagonist and it's no i just found gansy boring and i would like would have liked more of the magical information directly from gansy's perspective as opposed from a secondary narrator character at that point you never trust the narrator particularly but then that becomes kind of an narrator. Dump. i mean that's what gansy is what's that expression i know but if it's all tied up in like an internal monologue then it's just I don't know. I don't like it when books get super heavy on internal monologue. That's like strange the dreamer and stuff. It's like, don't spend all your time in the character's head. I mean, it's not bad, but I want more than that. Well, I would like a little more of it. (laughs) I think we're seeing why. (laughs) Why we have certain differing perspectives on a lot of these books. Okay. So on that note, what do you rate this book, Sarah? (laughs) Out of five stars. Oh gosh, I'd written it down to, I don't know. I think I'd did I do five? You did 4.5 to five. Yeah, I'd say probably 4.5 or four. Okay. Because I do think it gets comparatively better later on. So I would have to knock it off a little bit for not being as good as the later ones. 4.25, perhaps. 4.25, okay. I give it a 3.5. Well, that's higher than Sandcast. Like, it, it's, it's a, like, obviously I was willing to reread it. So I don't hate it enough to never touch it again. So it instantly puts it at like a three. I probably will take out all my pretty darts so I can reuse them in a different book. <laughs> and isn't that the purpose of them? Well, no, you can leave your annotations in. Some people like to leave their annotations in their books so that they can come back and reread them and compare their knowledge from one read to the next. I don't know that I'll ever reread this. <laughs> doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like you will. <laughs> then again, I didn't think I'd reread it after the first time. So you never know. <laughs> I will say in terms of age range, I thought this was pretty on point, like, because it's, it's for four, 14 yeah. and up, grades nine and up. I feel like it was solidly for that age range probably would very much enjoy it safe to read mine even with the serial killer implications that don't come he's not a serial killer (laughs) he just is a failed serial killer sort of detail he's he's a failed serial killer (laughs) even the deaths that do happen it's all very not detailed yeah oh he gets crushed by something oh he gets hit in the face you know, I think the most descriptive so, violence is what happens to Adam. But yeah, I agree. True, true. But yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty on point on, for its age range. In fact, I think though uh, high schoolers would very much like this book. I think it is a very good book for high schoolers. If yeah, only they're because, like in their senior year. Yeah, well, and, and it does require one to, as you put it, it's not cookie cutter. So it would challenge someone of that age range to read something that maybe isn't what is normally provided to them and provides a certain it challenges them to think about what they're reading i like my stuff cookie cutter sometimes but i think it's a good good recommendation for that any any last thoughts nope 
All right, then. So that then concludes our first episode of Book Pile Banter. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book Pile Banter on iTunes or whichever platform you listen to your podcast. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile. That's P-I-L-E underscore banter, B-A-N-T-E-R. I assume you know how to spell book, (laughs) B-O-O-K. Thank you. Bye.